everyone, Dave Dubow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in with me, we've got uh, James Svetek and Riley Oikel. I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly, Riley. Is that all right? Did I did I massacre it? Was that all right? No, that's right. You did all right, it. perfect. Yeah. So James, I've known for quite some time, and Riley, I met not that long ago, and these guys are doing some very very cool things with. Airbnb right now in this whole COVID weirdness. So a lot of people kind of predicted the demise of Airbnb with the pandemic hitting, but these guys have found a way to make it work. And in certain ways it worked better than ever in spite of, or because of the whole pandemic. So this is going to be a really interesting call. Gentlemen, what have I left out that I should have included in that little intro? No, I think that's pretty much it. Like we figured out, we've been watching the data, watching the numbers, seeing how things have been doing Airbnb for, you know, the past, I mean, for me, I've been in this space for about five years now. So I kind of always have my finger on the pulse. And one of the things that we started to notice was that a lot of properties outside of major cities were getting a huge amount of domestic tourism. People wanting to get out of the city, have more space, do a little bit of a staycation that they could drive to. And the numbers on some of these properties are just absolutely insane when you start really diving into them. We just recently invested in a property just a couple hours outside of Toronto that our most conservative projections were looking at about a 278% combined ROI. And I think a big piece of that is finding the right deal and knowing the numbers, but a huge portion of it is just that the numbers make a ton of sense on the income side of things because they are getting a lot of traffic now, but even pre-COVID, it also did exceptionally well in those areas. So yeah, it's been pretty- All right. Well, that's that's a good point. So why don't to get started with, why don't you kind of tell us how the landscape have, has changed over the course of the pandemic when it comes to Airbnb in general? Yeah, so I'd say with, with Airbnb in general, the major shift is that if you're in a downtown core location that relied a lot on international travelers coming in to get your place booked up, then you're finding that you're having to pivot your strategy. And so it can still do well, but you're going to have to house, let's say, traveling healthcare workers or, you know, maybe maybe extended stay, you know, one month, two month type stays. So not the, the you know, three night stays or the one week stays that you're used to. So there's an adaptation going on and it's kind of like just optimizing your property in the down season. You just have to make sure that you're really active with it. But then in other areas that traditionally got a lot of domestic tourism. So think about cottage country for one great example. Those areas are doing absolutely phenomenal right now because there obviously there's not a lot of international if, if any international travel happening at all but that's going both ways so the people that are in toronto that would typically go on vacation down to florida or over to europe or wherever else they're stuck kind of in this little bubble of ontario maybe they can go out of province but we're seeing a huge spike in domestic tourism so any area that's sort of within two to three hours drive of a populous downtown urban center you're seeing huge spikes in the numbers there. Inventory is getting completely booked up. So you can charge some pretty hefty rates compared to what you normally would. And you're going to see really, really high occupancy rates, even through the winter. That is really interesting. It, it brings to mind my daughter. She just moved to Vancouver with a couple of friends and they are renting a beautiful apartment right downtown. I don't remember what floor they're on, 23rd floor or something like that. This thing... It used to be, so it's fully furnished, used to be a full-time Airbnb type thing. And the guy supposedly was making twelve to $14,000 a month with it. 
they're renting it all in for three a month between the three of them. So it's a pretty good deal for them. And this guy's just kind of treading water until, until things turn around for him again. So yeah, I can definitely see how, how downtown Airbnbs have taken a big hit. Riley, talk to us a little bit about your journey, your experience with, with Airbnb over the pandemic. Of course. Yeah. So before the pandemic, I really didn't have much of an experience, to be honest. My experience was in the multifamily space. So multifamily residential properties and really loved getting my hands on like three or four unit buildings. Southwest Ontario is kind of the main area that I have a lot of these properties in. And yeah, so usually we use the Burr strategy, which really came into play here with the Airbnb project that now James and I are partnered up on and, and we're looking to do quite a few more of these projects. So it's really just finding like a really distressed property that needs a lot of TLC and making sure that we're able to do strategic renovations to the property to then increase the values, of course. But rather than renting it long-term, Airbnb is obviously a huge income source. So there was really an arbitrage there just with this last Airbnb that we'd bought. The arbitrage was that the property was actually a lake view and not like right on the water. And so because of that, the cool piece was a lot of kind of long-term renters weren't interested in that property or even just families that were looking to buy a property. If you're looking to buy a cottage, you usually want it to be directly on the water. Right. Whereas if someone's renting an Airbnb for two or three evenings, it's really not that advantageous. Like it, it isn't a make or break decision typically for for an Airbnb renter. So it's really interesting. Well, well, when what we're what are at, they looking for if they're if they're going out to cottage country? Wouldn't the Airbnb person be looking to be right on the lake as well? Obviously not, but but why not? Why why is it not that big of a deal for them? Yeah, so I think what it really comes down to for a lot of people that are on Airbnb is looking for certain amenities, certain features. And especially right now, like James was saying, with COVID and everything, and people that are in these these urban centers wanting to get out of the city, but sometimes they're actually looking to get out of the city to still work and still maintain like kind of the, the same standard of living that they were in beforehand. So we're actually making sure that our Airbnbs have like really, really good internet, which is a main feature right now. And something that's super important when we're looking at people coming from Toronto or wherever it might be and still wanting to to work from afar like remotely. So there's certain amenities. Yeah. And we had also found that there was a big demand for Airbnbs that had like hot tubs and saunas. So that's something that we're putting into the backyard of this Airbnb. So it, yeah, just kind of checking off the boxes is is the major thing there. And yeah, like obviously my background before COVID, not really being an Airbnb in the Airbnb space didn't allow for me to kind of implement these cool like amenities, like, you know, the hot tub or the sauna into a backyard, like the Airbnb space is allowing me to. So it's been a, been a lot of fun. Yeah, so if sure. I'm reading between the lines here, you guys, it sounds like you found kind of a bit of a distressed rural type property, a cottage type property. You got it for a reasonably decent price and you've upgraded it. Have you turned it in from one unit to two units, that kind of thing, or have you done like the full burr on this property or how's it looking? Yeah, so we're doing a, a pretty extensive renovation of the property, but keeping it just one single family unit. The thing with Airbnbs and short-term rentals is you have to renovate them differently than you typically would a long-term rental. So Riley pointed to a couple of the amenities that we do differently in an Airbnb and some of the things that people are looking for a little bit different when they're looking for an Airbnb where they you know, aren't going to be driving that speedboat. So they don't need to be right on the water and have a dock. They just need to have access to the water to drop a canoe in, something like that. Yeah, so the renovation is kind of similar. Like if you have your Airbnb split into two units as an Airbnb, 
that can be kind of challenging because then you end up having, it's just hard to control the guest experience when there might be someone above that's making more noise. They're going to be sharing a space, which especially right now isn't really desirable for a lot of people. And one of the really great things about this property as well that Riley was mentioning there's sort of an arbitrage is that one element was that it's not as desirable for the people looking to buy a cottage because it's not directly on the water. But the other element was that the basement was partially finished and we have three additional bedrooms in the basement. So in total, it's actually a six bedroom property. And so the reason that we decided to keep it as one unit as a six bedroom property and to finish off the rest of the basement so that we could fully utilize that space down there is that with Airbnb, one of the interesting things is that as you increase the number of people that can stay, you do a couple of things that really help you on the income side of it. Number one, you're opening yourself up to a whole different segment of the market where now you can accommodate the guests that's just a, a couple, but you can also accommodate groups of three or four or five or six or all the way up to 10. So you've got access to a way bigger pool of buyers. And then obviously, as you can sleep more people, if it's going to be a larger group, they're looking at the price in a different way. They're looking at what's the price per person when me and my friends come up to this cottage. And so let's say $100 per person per night, it seems really, really reasonable. But when you have eight people, that means we're getting $800 a night for the property. So makes a lot of sense. So walk us through what this property would rent out for typically as a typical long-term rental versus what do you anticipate you're going to be seeing going Airbnb? Yeah. So Riley could probably speak more to the, to the long-term rental. I would say it's probably, it probably in that market would get about $2,000 a month, maybe on long-term, maybe 2,200. Do you agree with that there, Riley? Yeah, it was projected to be like 2,100 per month. So Long term, we're looking at like maybe around twenty five thousand for the entire year, mm-hmm. if we were renting it to a family of maybe four or five. Yeah. All right, and what are you looking at by by having it as a short term rental? So short term rental, you're going to fluctuate a little bit month to month. Obviously, summertime it's going to be a lot higher than in the winter time. But we're looking at the the most conservative worst case scenario if things go like really poorly this year for the property. And this is based on 2019 and 18 data, not based on 2020 data that was inflated. A real worst case scenario for the property is about $50,000 for the year. More reasonable, what would be kind of in line with, hey, we're doing well with the property is about $70,000 a year. And our best case projection puts us at about ninety dollars to $100,000 a year. All right. Yeah. So even at worst case scenario, you're doubling revenues compared to what you would be getting just holding on to this as a, as a long term. Now, what are the additional headaches that are involved with running a property like this that's more rural? I mean, one of the big advantages, as I understand, with the suburban or the urban Airbnbs is you can outsource all the, you know, all of the maintenance, all of the, uh, the cleanup, the janitorial side of things. How is that going to work out in the out in the sticks? Yeah, so the nice thing is we were actually able to to buy the property in a, in a location that is serviceable. Like we can still have our cleaning team go out there, and we've got a cleaning team lined up that's going to be able to clean it on all the turnovers. And Riley's on a bit. Is the team local? It must be fairly local. Yeah, that's three hours outside of Toronto. You're not. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and especially because like in cottage country there is a real demand for it, right? Because there are a lot of properties on Airbnb and then a lot of cottagers want to have a professional cleaning team and open their place up for the spring. So there's actually a, a number of different options in the area that we purchased in, which is really nice. And then Riley's actually done a really good job putting together sort of our power team for all the renovation and then also just for the ongoing yard maintenance and things like that. Very, very cool. Well, this is interesting, you guys. So one of the other questions I was going to ask is, okay, well, 
it sounds great right now. We're in the midst of this pandemic, but everybody's getting a shot in the arm and, you know, wave the magic wand six months, 12 months from now, it'll all be a distant memory. I hope <laughs> we all hope, but it sounds like you're making your projections based on pre COVID type numbers. So you're not, you're not being pie in the sky thinking that this demand is going to be there forever. Exactly. Yeah. I, I always tell people like when you're investing in short-term rental, a lot of people, the concern is that there's a lot of volatility in the market. And the truth is there's not, it, it's not unpredictable. It's highly predictable. And you can look at data to figure out exactly how well a property is going to perform. You just need to know what you're doing when you're running those numbers. And then you always want to have backups and contingencies in place so that if something unexpected happens, like COVID happened right now, and it negatively impacts you, you know, obviously for the property that we bought and the location we did, it's a positive impact. But like you pointed to, there's, you know, there's people out there in Vancouver who are used to earning $12,000 a month. They're now earning $3,000 a month. You want to have that backup plan in place. So whether that's just making sure that your numbers make sense so that you can adapt and lower them enough so that you're still going to be able to cash flow on the property, even in a worst case scenario, or whether that's having a backup plan, like being able to transition over to long-term rentals. It's important to number one, just run the numbers conservatively and know what your worst case scenario is, but then also just have different backups in place so that you're never left with a property that's not going to be cash flow and positive. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very good. Awesome. You guys, time flies when we're having fun. Riley, if people want to find out more about what you're up to and and how to get in touch with you guys, either Riley or James, what should they do? Yeah. So for myself here, if, if anyone wants to follow the journey, you can follow me on Instagram at RileyLocalInvestor. So that would be the handle. And James? Yeah. So for me, it's just James Svetic on Instagram. That's a great place to follow along and feel free to, to reach out with a message. If you want to learn more about sort of working with us to start actually getting invested in short-term rentals, you can just go to bnbmasteryprogram.com forward slash book a call. And Riley and I are actually going to be working with a really small group of investors over the next six to 12 months here, just basically helping them to get started actually investing in short-term rental properties. Very cool. Gentlemen, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Great, Thank to, you. great to be on board. All right, everybody, take care. and We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.